So, buckle up. Right. Uh, it's entitled Jesus Teaches Nicodemus. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be, plainly, may be seen plainly that, they have done, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Sorry, I wasn't sarcastic enough at the right time, I was I? No, sorry. I was instructed, given stage directions. <laughs> not supposed to tell people that. Thank you, Ian. Um, I haven't put this in the paper copy. I didn't really know much about Nicodemus, and I've learned what I can from this, but what, I, what uh, helped me to f see Nicodemus was it was in one of our Friday night clubs, um, and it was a little video clip, and it was like, well, I'm not really that familiar with Nicodemus, I must go away and look at him, because it was... It, it, um, 
It intrigued me, let's say. Anyway, so this is um, what I've arrived at in how I see that meeting. So forgive me if it's not quite um, educated enough for you. I'll go for it, nevertheless. <clears throat> so a few years back, I was talking to a lapsed Christian who had made the decision to get back on course with Jesus. Obviously, I encouraged this move with positive words and input. I was, however, a little nonplussed that the main part of his plan included throwing away all his non-Christian music tapes, this happened before all the devices that are available nowadays. He also planned to stop smoking and stop swearing, start going to church regularly, and really try to be happy and positive all the time. This, he felt, would make him a better Christian and in right standing with God. I was an immature Christian myself at the time, so I didn't feel qualified to offer any meaningful suggestions. Nowadays, I believe if I found myself in a similar situation with someone, I'd try and impress upon them the real breakthrough would come from pursuing an actual relationship with Jesus by studying his word daily along with meditation or prayer. Although willing to do the right thing, we were both in the dark. Right standing with God comes from building an ongoing relationship with him. Not just believing the right thing or doing the right thing, but meeting with God daily to experience his presence, living out our salvation and our reborn life. Nicodemus was what we would call a conservative believer. He was a part of a group known as the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the spiritual descendants of the Hasidian movement. The group's, the group's name came from the Old Testament concept of Hasidim, meaning the faithful or the saints. They were the ones who revolted before the time of Christ when the Greeks tried to destroy the Jews and force them to deny their faith. By the time of Christ, the Pharisees, whose name meant to separate, was an established religion, religious movement within Israel. They were pious people with strong beliefs. They believed in angels, the immortality of the soul, a coming day of judgment, and the resurrection of the dead. You could not get any more orthodox than the Pharisees. And Nicodemus was one of their leaders. He was a learned, devout man. Now, with Jesus among the crowds, performing miracles and quoting scripture with such authority was perhaps a challenge for Nicodemus. Since we find out later that he questioned the authorities in public of the rightfulness of the proceedings against Jesus at his trial, found in John 7:51, a brave thing to do, even though he was shut down immediately, then again, after the death of Jesus, he along with Joseph of Arimathea in John 19, 36 to 39, went and asked Pilate to release the body of Jesus for them to prepare in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. 
These public displays of his support for Jesus are an indication that his conversation with him that night had a profound effect on him. I think you'll agree that our choice to follow our Lord was based in part, at least, on how convincing the words of Jesus actually are. Let's sit with the meeting with Jesus that night. In verse 2, Nicodemus uses the word we. And in verse 11, Jesus also uses the word we. Although there's only the dialogue recounted between these two, it's safe to assume that neither had come alone. Nicodemus was surely not going with the intent to cause Jesus trouble. He was a leader within the Pharisees. He was important and had a certain amount of power. He really didn't need to be lurking around in the dark to have a meeting with anyone, let alone Jesus. Whether it was through embarrassment or shame or something else, his first personal encounter with Jesus was something he wanted to keep on the down low. It's no surprise to anyone who knows our gracious Lord that he was there to meet him that night. He told Jesus he believed he was from and with God. At this point, it feels to me that Nicodemus had more to say, but Jesus, with perfect timing, gives him a whole new truth in verse 3. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. When Nicodemus attempted to call Jesus out on what seemed an impossible statement, it was perhaps a knee-jerk reaction to defend his own well-established understanding of the kingdom of God, the scriptures, and daily practice of his deeply held beliefs. This is the point where knowledge and, and belief transitioned into relationship with Jesus, when in verse 4, um, I, I see it as slightly sarcastic, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Nicodemus felt he could challenge him, although it was in a somewhat sarcastic way, as I read it, similar to the woman at the well and her initial response when Jesus told her in, in John 4.14, the living water I give you will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The two exchanges with the enigmatic Jesus nevertheless made an impact on and in their lives. Jesus goes on to explain that to see the kingdom of God, we need to be born of water and spirit. Effectively, two births of entirely different origin, earthly birth and spiritual birth. We are spiritually born with the Holy Spirit by receiving salvation by the grace of Jesus. What he said to Nicodemus next must have really piqued his curiosity or wonder at the very least. 
Since the Greek word for wind is pneuma, and Jesus undoubtedly knew it, it also was the word for spirit and breath. In verse 7, you should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus, in his important and powerful position, lightly led his life as an upright citizen who knew and followed the traditions of his belief. He felt he was in right standing with God. However, seeing Jesus in action must have made him feel something was missing from this belief from his life, something radical, a vacuum within his very being that he had so far been unaware of. The last words from Nicodemus in this account, in verse 9, how can this be, is a great example of someone having the wisdom to know that the person in front of them knows something they don't and is worth listening to. Jesus put this challenge to him, saying, verse uh, 10 to 12, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Wow. This very real statement from Jesus must have practically floored the educated Pharisee. And yet this wasn't a final statement to put Nicodemus down. Rather, it was to get his attention for what he would tell him next. We can view this entire exchange as Jesus telling Nicodemus in a gentle and loving way the truths about the kingdom of God, or Jesus as an insistent son of our heavenly father laying down the total undeniable truth that Nicodemus is on the wrong path. Along the lines of, here is the truth, you've got it wrong, but I am the answer. The truth is always compelling. And that night, Jesus highlighted his authority. And he even gave an indication what, what, what was in store for himself in 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses, Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. I wonder how often Nicodemus recalled that night after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, how long it took him to appreciate that he'd had such an intimate conversation with the figure who is the ultimate key to truth, the absolute way, and the gate to freedom for an unchained life. 
We have the privilege of knowing the life of Jesus from conception to transfiguration. And yet, we still need to be reminded daily of the utterly awesome truth about him. It was in this account that Jesus uttered the most, possibly the most well-known scripture in the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's be sure to recognise that Jesus was reassuring Nicodemus that he wasn't meeting with him that night to condemn him, but to save him. Verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send his world, Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. At the dawn of our walk with Jesus, we had to first become aware of him and then approach him. It's from here that we believe in and accept him if we choose to. With our growing faith, we learn that we should repent of our sins and then ask Jesus for forgiveness. It's a natural progression to declare Jesus is Lord in our life and it follows that baptism is the declaration of our belief. We become born again through our salvation and this whole process can take years or just a few moments, because everyone is different. It goes on in verse 18 to 21. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's only, one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I love the way that although Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, he doesn't call him out directly for having the wrong attitude by using the words, whoever, they, everyone, and people. Jesus wasn't condemning him. He was explaining what it looks like to love being in the dark or purposely ignorant of truth because of their guilt, fear, or shame. He was leading Nicodemus to know he was in darkness and shame, and yet so very near to light and truth, therefore giving him the opportunity to choose between dark and light, blindness or sight, any shadow of shame or guilt, is dispersed by the light of God's grace, God's very own Son. How can we maintain our walk in the light? The simple answer is that we can't on our own. 
Jesus leads the way because his heavenly father gave him authority to. His teachings on earth found in the Bible are the template for right living. Jesus hasn't got the capacity to lie because he's the very embodiment of truth. Why wouldn't we want to read about him regularly to become familiar with that truth? Decide to live the life that Jesus set out for us to follow. Set aside a time that suits you to build and maintain a relationship with him. He loves us and wants us. Receive the wholeness that Jesus so obviously wanted Nicodemus to have. To summarise this event, a leading Pharisee was looking for answers. Although he felt Jesus might have those answers, he didn't want to risk the, his position by meeting him with him in public. He may have chosen the cover of night just in case Jesus was a madman to protect his own reputation. Yet Jesus brought light into that darkness and life was never the same for Nicodemus again. Through this pa pandemic, not one of us hasn't felt in the dark at some point. Jesus will meet with us anywhere and everywhere, even in the dark. He'll take our burdens, our fears and confusion and give us rest. I was quite happy when Simon gave us this verse last week because I thought, oh, I've got that one too. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our private prayers, say prayers for the souls that have an invisible vacuum in their lives, that they will find the light of Jesus and know him as their saviour. This message about to be shown is by Dr. S.M. Lockridge. SM stands for Shadrach Meshach, and so I really like that, given around 45 years ago. I have shown it before a while back, but I think it's worth seeing and hearing again. It describes who Nicodemus met with that night. Whether he was fully aware of that at the time, I can't say. This recording brilliantly describes Jesus then and now. We can meet with the same Lord today, tonight, tomorrow, and always. Amen.